Welcome back to the Ramble Room. I'm sitting here with my good friend Tom Kelly, uh, someone I always like to look up to. <laughs> <laughs> I thought of that all by myself. Yeah, that's a new one. Never heard that one before. It's yeah, a, not, I, to, not today anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and tomorrow he'll ask me how's the weather up there. Yeah, yeah, this is Tom Kelly of Wyoming is Right, and Ken and I today are doing a joint show, a little cross-promotion here. Wait a minute, wait know, a minute. Yes. Careful how you say that. Why is that? Doing a joint show. We're not doing any joints. <laughs> anyway, sorry. We may, yeah, we may sound like a couple of idiots right now, but no, we are not drinking. So we had a, we had a good night last night. We went to an event out by the lake and uh, at the Triple R Ranch or the R-Cubed or whatever you want to call it, the Rock and Roll Ranch. And uh, there was an event there hosted by the Freedom Caucus, and they were gracious enough to allow some of us other conservatives to come and speak from there, and Tom got a shot to speak, and uh, what did you think? It was a powerful event, and I was surprised there weren't more people there. I mean, there were dozens and dozens of people there. The place was full, but I figured with the caliber of people coming to speak, maybe more people could have shown up. We had people come from across the state, I did notice, though, as you said, you were invited there. They treat you as a family member. Oh, you, yeah. you are not an official member of the Freedom Caucus. I understand that. But they act as if you are because I, you have so many principles in line with them anyway. But I understand your position of remaining technically independent. I, I would be the same way. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Um, it, and it is fun. That, that really close-knit group we had what, 12, 14 legislators, I'm not sure exactly there. I heard three different people that evening afterward because it was set up so that we could go kind of mingle and, and talk afterwards. And three different people said, said to me, I've never seen anything like what I just saw. Like I was saying, that, that was quite powerful from the very beginning. Um, David Iverson came on, promoted the Independence Network in Cowboy State Politics and talked about his mission to get truth out to voters because the mainstream media in Wyoming is definitely related to the mainstream media nationally, and we know how that goes. And then uh, to see my name on the agenda, though, <laughs> I, I was a little stunned. I got up in the morning. Or I'll rewind a, a little bit. The promoters of it asked me if I would help them promote it, and I said, sure, no problem. Then they asked me, like, if we have some time, would you like a couple minutes maybe to say something about Wyoming is Red? I said, sure. If, if the chance comes up, yeah, I'll take the stage. And that was the last I heard of it, really. And then I show up there, and they've got the agenda, and I'm listed as the first speaker. I, yeah, I turn and look yeah. at my daughter, Lily, and I'm like, well, it's a good thing we did decide to come today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that would be quite embarrassing. And Tom Kelly didn't make it. I, there is oftentimes for me a kind of I have to pinch myself moments when is this is real one of them was you know one of the first times i walked on the house floor and that's an awe-inspiring place and you know it's one thing just to sit up above and to watch the proceedings going down there but to actually be down there is it's kind of an odd feeling i, I watched the legislature for several years before i was a member of it and i remember about day three sitting down on the floor and realizing that I wasn't there to just watch. You know, 
I was supposed to be participating. I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to be the one that makes things happen rather than the one that, that sits there and waits for it to happen and wishes somebody would say this. And it was, it's just a strange process. But uh, I, th I think I've gotten comfortable with it, maybe too comfortable. Afterwards, a, a very nice lady named Marianne came up to me, and she said, I'd really like to talk to you. She liked what I'd said. I'd spoken extemporaneously. People know that I typically don't bring up notes there because I have to wait. Whatever I'm going to be inspired to say at that moment, I don't know until I'm up there. And she says, but who are you? Why are you up there? And I, and the first thing out of my mouth is, that's funny you should ask. I Great was question. thinking the same thing as I was standing up there with the microphone. Yeah. What what am I doing up here? Following me is Mark Jones, a national director of the Gun Owners of America. And then we have Chip Nyman, who, who's the head of the GOP in the House, and and me. So yeah, it's like, what, what am I doing up there? I, I don't know. <laughs> but they asked me to be here, so, so I'm here. But what I noticed that was really powerful about it is that I, I think David started off with it and I continued with it. We started off with the tone of faith and hope and confidence instead of anger and fear and reaction. And we were sending a positive message about the how we envisioned preserving liberty in Wyoming and how we can not only preserve liberty in Wyoming, but serve as an example for other states. And we've seen it before. Sheridan County, Wyoming censured Liz Cheney. And that was followed by other counties, which was followed by the state of Wyoming GOP. And then other states took our lead and started to censure their rhinos and, and put them on notice. Now, a censure doesn't do anything other more than it's a verbal slap on the wrist that, you know, you're kind of being a jerk and we don't like it and you're not representing us. But it does make the news. It does alert voters that you have somebody who is campaigning one way and governing another which is what we're really getting to here because we've got the primaries coming up in 2024, just around the corner. The Iowa caucuses are just next month. And then we have the primaries in Wyoming next year, which is basically the election for Wyoming because the Republican Party will win the majority of everything. And now we have people who are sitting there in power who have campaigned one direction and governed another. And then on top of it all, we've got I can't say it without giggling. We've got the Wyoming Conservative Accountability Project, YCAP, where, where, where the Democrats all rated more conservative than the Freedom Caucus. I'm sorry. I, let's yeah. leave in the laughing. I, it is genuine. You, I can't though, help it. That There was another thing that came out last night that came out of most of us on the legislative side of the, of the speakers, and it was that we're winning. And this YCAP thing that you just mentioned is a classic example of what we're talking about. We're setting the narrative. We're setting the agendas. They're now reacting to us, responding to us, and we're keeping them on their heels. And so we've got probably, I think there are at least seven different rating sites on, on my website that basically all say pretty much exactly the same thing. There are 26 conservatives. There are 31 not-so-conservatives. And the, the sequence of, those, of we conservative shuffles a little bit from there to there, but it's all real close. And then there's YCAP, which is upside down. Yeah, and that could completely be used by legislators, too. I was talking to Doug of Evidence-Based Wyoming yesterday after the whole event because he said, we, got, we need to get together and do a show and talk about YCAP. 
because he's talked about it. I've talked about it. He, he, wrote, he wrote a piece on it. And what we've seen then is whether we take all the votes like Doug does or you take 10 representative votes like Wyo Rhino does, the, the results are pretty much the same. So, Which is also what YCAP did. They exactly, which is what, what yeah. I was getting to, because the the criticism of why Rhino was they cherry pick cherry pick ten votes, and then they're anonymous. So YCAP comes out and says, "Well, we'll pick ten votes, and here's who we are. Now, now we're credible." But they actually cherry picked ten votes, which is why they come completely upside down from what all the other rating sites come out as, where you have what we would call Republicans in name only. Rating is 100% conservative and votes, and this is what you and I wanted to talk about. Some of the issues they picked, the, the alleged conservative way to vote was for more spending and more government power, which is completely on its head. But I guess it makes sense in, in a time now where good is bad, bad is good, men are women, whatever, <laughs> that we would have conservative is voting for more government power, or as they said, Voting for more government power and spending was pro-life. Wow, is that twisting it? Yeah. One of the things that, that they tout most often about, look how conservative we are. We have saved $27 billion. I don't think that's conservative at all. They've taken $27 billion out of the normal economy. And one of the things they've done with it is they take the interest income and they pay a lot of the bills for the state. About 30% of the state's budget comes from revenues received from that. The problem is that that masks to a large part how much we're really spending. People don't realize it because it's already paid for through there. So if, you, if, if everybody had to pay for everything the government is doing, and I say the government, I'm talking Wyoming state government, every year, it'd be a lot smaller because people would be completely outraged. What are we doing this for? What are we doing this for? What are we paying for all this? This is ridiculous. But because of the way that it's been arranged, a lot of people don't even realize what we're doing. Well, what happens when the economy turns around, when uh, the extractive industries are curtailed and they don't bring in enough money? Well, we can't quit doing this. We can't quit doing this. We've addicted ourselves to federal money, which can't come in anymore. And all these things, now it's up to you. you got no choice but to foot the bill. And we're going to be in some deep doo-doo. Deep doo-doo. You can quote me on that. Deep words from a representative <laughs> of the Wyoming State Legislature. He, he, you heard it here, people, on Wyoming is Right in the Ramble Room. We will be in deep doo-doo. Yeah. But I know what you're saying, all kidding aside, this concept that the government keeping more of our money is conservative mm -hmm. is, is absolutely down. ludicrous. The whole idea that, like, well, look, we put a billion and a half in the savings, but you did it by emptying my savings. And then while you had all that in savings, saving for a rainy day, we turn around and we spent the entire interim discussing how we could generate more revenue. What, what, what can we tax next? I, I call foul. Oh, yeah, absolutely, which is why you are part of the barbarian horde. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of like that. <laughs> oh, I, I know. It's, it's kind of like when they talked about Trump voters being a basket of deplorables, and then yeah. people just proudly called themselves deplorables. It really, really cut to 
Chip's soul. You can see it hurt his. It really hurt him to hear like the people who care so much about God, country, and family were the barbarian horde. That's that's true, and it's this. You could see it last night. That is a very close knit, tight group. We really care about each other, regardless of who's Freedom Caucus or who isn't or who's what. You know that doesn't really matter. We're there on principle, and we're there because we're good friends. We're bound by common ideals. And it's one thing if somebody comes out and says something against me. But, man, you start picking on Jeanette Ward, you start picking on Sarah Penn, and the list goes on and on. And I get a little uptight. And I, Chip, Chip is somebody that I guess maybe somewhat like I do as well, kind of wears his emotions on his sleeves at times. So you could tell, absolutely genuine. We closed the evening with prayer. You could hear what he said and what his heart was was uh, crying out for. And it's it's not fear. It's not anger. It is we're going to do the right thing regardless. In fact, that's remember that was part of what he talked about was there was a an opportunity he had to basically tank his own vote for majority floor leader, and he just couldn't do it. Would have been a lot easier for him. Right, and he took the more difficult path that was laid out in front of him. I was really happy to hear Chip bring it back to how I had started the evening pretty much by Mm -hmm. saying, go ahead and do what you've been called to do, and you'll know. You'll know what it is at the moment, and he talked about his moment where it was like, do I need this? Does my family need this? Do I need this hassle? Do I need the media storm? All the all the headaches, all the sleepless nights. No, I don't need any of this, and I'll take it. But you mentioned the other side of that, which all of us have felt, was if we try to do something on our own initiative without guidance or without being led or, or understanding that that's what we're supposed to do, it generally doesn't work out real well. No, my experience in life has been if I do things of my own ego and my own isolated thought of what I think is best in my narrow worldview, and go ahead, anyone who wants to take that out of context. Tom Kelly says he has a narrow, narrow worldview. Every human being has a very limited perspective on I'm the world. I'm very narrow-minded, but I can afford to be. I'm right. Oh, all right, I'm not going to make the funny noises. We need a rim shot in here. We did. Actually, there is one, but that's all right. We can add it later. But the point being, you need to take in that wider perspective of of what our role is in this world and, and why we meet people and why we have relationships. And what I really enjoy about seeing Chip and John and Jeanette as they're speaking is you can see these are men and women who don't just care about the country and they don't care about their families alone. You guys obviously care about each other. And it's really a nice group of people, too, because everybody's just so welcoming and nice to me. And, and you know, I, I don't understand that at all, but that, that's fine. That's, that's We're great. scared to death, though we try. Oh, and you, anyone who's spent more than five minutes with me knows how yeah. peaceful I am. I was going to say harmless, but I'm not harmless. Yeah, but a second-degree black melt that's 6'9", kind of gives you pause. And who's also probably carrying half the time. But anyway... Well, I don't carry when I come to your house because I know you've got a few spares lying around. Because it's like, I, why would I want to pull out a Glock 43 when I know you can hand me a 300 blackout pistol? <laughs> so another thing that I wanted to talk a little bit about was there are a lot of bills that are going to come up that 
kind of like the Inflation Reduction Act, have a good-sounding name, or the man, this is a good one. There's there's one out coming out in Wyoming um, that is supposed to be an ESA Education Savings right. Account that would give the money finally back to people so that they have school choice. They can take the money and spend it where they want. Great. We've all been pushing for that. We had two bills that we tried to run in the last session. They got lost in the speaker's drawer and never came out. So he turned around then, the speaker Summers, and he's introduced this one and touting it as a, as a great conservative. Two things. The first thing is that he must have be feeling the pressure to do something and that it was a mistake not to at least let this thing get out on the floor and get debated. So, so now he's got to do something to prove that maybe he is a quote-unquote conservative, whatever that word means anymore. But the bill that he brought out has two fatal flaws. One, it's an expansion of welfare. And two, is it's means-tested. In other words, it's not an equal shot for everybody. If, if you are, I forget what it is, 200, 250% of the poverty line, which is a fair chunk, but it's lower income folk, then you can take advantage of it. But by golly, we don't want to give a break to the rich, not the people that actually pay the taxes. They're not going to get any kind of benefit. The other side of it, or the other aspect that I mentioned was welfare, was now it involves pre-K. So now we've got the government paying parents to surrender their children to somebody else to raise, and we're all going to pay for it. So we have an alleged conservative bill that expands public education to preschool, mm -hmm. very California-like, very Illinois-like, and it provides benefits for people on the lower end of the spectrum because the rich people don't need the help. Again, that's progressive thought. Because yeah. conservative thought is it's not the government's job to decide who needs what. The, yeah, the, in, in, from the conservative mindset, the money never would have gone to the government in the first place. Right. And the parents would have the opportunity to do whatever they wanted to do without having to. A, a lot of what we have to do is the government goes out and says, okay, we're going to take this money in, and then we're going to decide what's best for you because we're smarter than you are. We're the experts. We're the ones. And you, you mentioned that last night, too. I'm one of the experts. Don't listen to us. <laughs> you know, and the funny thing that. is, do I not create a conundrum when I say that? Yeah. Everybody wants to listen to the experts now. Well, I am an expert. Don't listen to us. They're like, wait a second. Does that mean we do listen to them? Because if we don't listen to them, then we're listening to them. Right. <laughs> I think I'm getting sick. Uh, but, but you're going to see a lot of that in this budget session because these people that we're coming into an election year and these people are going home and telling their people that they're conservative and they've got to present conservative bills that are on the minds of everyone. These are the very things we tried to do last year. Virtually all these things that they're talking about, we tried to do it and they killed it. And so now it becomes a priority for them. But the problem is the bills that they present have these poison pills in them. They have, uh, I like to say they're fentanyl-laced. They've, they've got issues. And before you go jump on your legislator and say, hey, why didn't you vote for this? You call yourself conservative, you didn't do this, regardless of what side you're on. Check with your legislator, read the bill, understand what it is you're talking about, 
bef before you go off half cocked and try to explain. Go ahead. And if you have a representative or a senator that you ask about a certain bill and they speak to you in a condescending tone that you wouldn't understand it's this anyway. It's really complicated. Yeah. It's, it's, oh, well, you know, it's very kind of the, the formulas and the committees and, you know, the, this, those, the federal regulations, blah, 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 blah. As soon as that stuff starts, vote that person out. Because yeah. that person is either being disingenuous with you or doesn't understand the bill himself. These so he things, pretends like it's so complicated yeah. that he doesn't get it. So These things, when you are a person of principle, if you take the Republican Party platform, it's, it's built on what we call timeless truths. They don't change. They're very simple to understand. And you can apply those principles to virtually any of these issues that come up. At, does it make government bigger? Does it take money from one person to give to somebody else? All of those things, you go back to Bastiat's The Law. And if you haven't read that um, and you're listening to this, you need, you need to read that. There, there are some tremendous thought in there. And those timeless truths are very simple, very easy to grasp. And once you've grasped them, you can apply them to virtually any of these bills. It's not that complicated. We make it complicated because we're trying to hide what we're really doing. Another bill that had gotten killed... And I was thinking about this when Jeanette Ward was talking. And I have to push back on something here. It was said to her as a compliment that Jeanette was the MTG of Wyoming. But, you know, we know how I feel about MTG. I think Jeanette is so much smarter than MTG. I mean, MTG is the one who said that we don't shut down the schools because people die of cancer. And people were kind of like, uh, cancer's not airborne. But, so it's moments like that where I've said, like, MTG is the AOC of the GOP. I mean, she's a firebrand. She's on the right. Yeah, you like that? <laughs> yeah. She's on the right side of things sometimes, but a lot of times she's just firing off. She's a loose cannon. She called Harriet a rhino for voting against her her yeah. her silly resolution to, to call uh, Tlaib's um, protest an insurrection. So when I when I hear that Jeanette's the MTG of Wyoming, I'm like, no, she's not. Jeanette's much brighter. <laughs> so yeah. I, I, I have much more respect for her as far that's, as that goes. That's that's that brings up another thing in my mind is is the mantra coming from the left is that somebody up there in Washington D.C. is pulling the strings of all of these state freedom caucus people, telling them how to vote, telling them how to think, and all that. <laughs> and when you know Jeanette Ward, when you know Sarah Penn, then the list goes on and on. When you know these people, ain't nobody telling them how to vote. <laughs> it's, it's absurd. Well, I'm laughing. I know these people on mm -hmm. a personal level, and it's like anyone who would come up and say, all right, who's paying Tom Kelly to say that? Who's pulling his strings? They're like, no, 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 no. This guy just says whatever he wants, whatever he feels like, yeah. which is probably why people hand me a microphone sometimes. They're like, here we go. Who knows what's going to come out? <laughs> well, that's why I do. Yeah. <laughs> that's why you have me over here. But you know, we were talking about, like, getting back to Jeanette, it was the school bills. And it was the idea of um, keeping um, pornographic materials out of the school libraries and this whole idea of, that somehow keeping X-rated materials out of a children's library is a form of censorship. We don't need to go down that road of that argument. That's just silly. But one of the issues is the educational savings accounts. Because if public schools started, if parents had a choice and they found out 
you see some of these books in there, they're showing the eight-year-old kids and telling them, oh, this, this, this is normal. You just, little kids are supposed to see stuff and go, what is that? You know, um, stuff we didn't even know about till we were like teenagers or like when I was like 16 years old, like digging around in my dad's room, looking for his magazines. I think I was 24. <laughs> you were in my dad's room looking for his magazines? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> right. The, the kind of stuff I got curious about as I was becoming an adult, right. that if somebody would have come to me when I was eight, nine, ten years old, I'd be like, why are you talking to me about this? I want, I want to play baseball and cops and robbers outside. That's gross. But if parents had a choice, the schools would be defunded, they would be depopulated, and they would have to change based on those market pressures we wouldn't be fighting these political battles if people just parents just had a choice of what to do with that money. Public education doesn't necessarily mean government ownership of the schools. It means public funding so every kid's got a chance to go to school. Let them pick the school they'd like to go to. Well, they might go to a religious school. And so people said, well, that's a violation of separation of church and state. So does that mean like Lutheran and Catholic hospitals can't take Medicaid or Medicare because yeah. they're taking money from the government and they're, they're run by Catholic organizations or religious organizations? Those arguments don't make any sense at all. And they're just smoke screens from the teachers union who know a lot of these teachers who come running in the classroom with their nose rings and blue hair talking about they, them would be out of jobs. Parents would be like, I don't want my kid being asked, is he still a boy today when he still can't tell me what two times seven is right. without counting on his fingers? Isn't it funny that, you know, we took prayer and we took the Bible out of schools because those are young, impressionable minds and we want to give them an even balanced start. We don't want to try to, to shove them into anyone, any one corner unless it happens to be perverse. If we want to... We want them to know about all the perversions and all the distortions of nature, but we don't want them to know about the creator of nature. It's upside down and asinine like most of the things. But even if we're going to talk about, just face it, straight man-woman sex between a married couple, which any Christian group will tell you, for... that still <laughs> yeah. shouldn't be taught to seven, yeah. seven and eight-year-olds. That They don't need to, or their parents would like them to learn that. That's their parents' job. I saw a meme going around Facebook recently, and it was talking about things that should be taught in schools. And it was stuff like how to do taxes and financial responsibility and cooking. And all I saw was this long list of things that parents should teach their kids that kids don't know today. And the meme had it all upside down because the reason so many parents have abdicated responsibility for raising their children is because there's always a government program. Mm -hmm. Well, the schools are supposed to do that. It's no longer my responsibility. Even to the point now, half the country thinks the public schools are supposed to feed their kids. Yeah. Breakfast, yeah. lunch, and now they want dinner too. And they oh, want before and, school activities and after school activities. And, so and, and with food. And out. not only that, uh, and, and we came from Colorado where they had this. The school cafeteria stayed open all summer for the kids to get their free lunches and breakfast. I'll have to cut that part out. <laughs> they get their free lunches and free breakfasts all yeah. summer long because it's all oh, these poor kids. Well, how are they going to eat if the government's not feeding them? And I'm, as I go off on one more tangent here is we start thinking about that whole idea of government taking care of everything. Chicago is falling apart. They elected an outright communist. He says he's a socialist. He's a communist. And he's brought the Cuban idea of government 
owned grocery stores to keep food prices down and make sure there's fair and equitable food for everybody. So everybody goes hungry. But that's what I was coming around to, the whole idea that we have programs to make sure nobody starves in America, and nobody does, far from it, but we don't have government-owned and run grocery stores. We give people vouchers to go out privately and get their own food. I don't understand what the problem is with vouchers for people to go out and get education. One of the things about living overseas as a soldier is you get a taste of government-run grocery stores. We have the commissaries. You get a taste of government-run health care. Um, VA hospitals are here. And I'm not dissing the, the people that are working in those. No, but, those people are fantastic. Yeah, but there's a system. Capitalism works. Ayn Rand put it beautifully. It's a way to turn greed, which would normally be a bad thing, into a positive for, for society. And what happens with a lot of government-run things that don't have to make a profit or don't have to compete is the opposite of that. It turns a good thing into greed. But what you were mentioning about the people of the VA being great people, but the bureaucratic system and the incentive yes. system in a government bureaucracy for freight, for fraud and abuse and for and just red tape. carelessness. It, it, there's no market incentive to do a good job sometimes. Um, there's no market incentive for customer satisfaction because your customers aren't going anywhere. We see the same argument. If you say something against the VA, oh, you hate veterans. No, I love veterans too much to make them dependent on the government. Why don't we have other programs? Why don't we have, we, you know, we have, um, oh, there are all sorts of charities to help Wounded Warriors Project, something yeah. like that. But what the, the point I'm getting to is that if we talk about defunding the public schools, you hate teachers, you hate children. Yeah. It's like, no, no, education is too important to turn it over to state bureaucrats. Yeah. I would love to see a system where people who genuinely love to teach and who are excellent at it get paid their market value. Instead of this across the board where everybody gets the same pay scale based on your education level, based on how many years you've been at the school, doesn't matter how you perform, how bad you are, how good you are, a young hungry teacher who's really kicking it makes half as much as somebody who's near retirement and doesn't want to work anymore. On the flip side, we have some excellent older teachers who probably should be getting paid 10 times as much as a rookie who doesn't know what he or she's doing. We have none of those market incentives to keep the best educators in there to take the best care of our kids. And that could be undone by the money following, at least the money following the student, but some type of merit-based pay would be that too. But we're getting back to the legislature here. What can we expect to see like with educational savings accounts? What do you, what do you expect to see? What poison pills do you think are going to get thrown in there? So... <laughs> When the Freedom Caucus says we're not voting for more government expansion and the media comes out and says, well, the Freedom Nazis have done it again. They 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 voted against the traditional Republicans. Because they're really not about freedom. Oh, they're not about freedom. Yeah. You guys are the Nazis, literally. Well, there's two things. Um, we discussed a little bit on the ESA bills a couple of the poison pills that are included in that. And you'll see everything they come out with that sounds conservative, we'll have one. But parallel to that, 
we are going to run our own versions, clean versions, and and keep pounding those and let them go on the record for voting against those bills as well or hiding them in their desk drawer and not letting them out or sending them to a kill committee like the Appropriations of Revenue. And it'll sort itself out. And in the long run, speaking primarily about the House at this point, 2024 is a new election. We are really close to being able to control things. We had little buttons last night that said 31 is greater than 26. And the idea is that anytime anything goes wrong, those 31 rhinos turn around and blame it all on the Freedom Caucus, lump us all together, and say they screwed everything up. Well, 31 is greater than 26. We didn't have the power to do that, not in the last session. So we also have this little idea of six more in 24. I think it should be 12 more in 24. So we not only have a majority, but a decided majority. Why don't you count the Democrats in with the moderate Republicans? Because they all vote the same way anyway. Yeah, 26 to 36. Most of the That's votes how the votes are right fail, around right. there. Yeah. Um, the Democrats are the Democrats. We're not going to get rid of them. Um, in fact, we kind of like having a few of them around. It gives us somebody to play off of. But the other thing, and I've gone, yeah, I went to Mike Ian, I went to several of them, and I said, you know, I've got a lot more respect for you than some of these other people Because you're here. honest about yeah, where you stand. You, you come out, and, and I think that the Democrat Party in Wyoming would be a lot stronger if more of these people would just come out as such, because I think there, there is, it's going to be a majority, but there's a substantial number of people that are tired of masquerading as a conservative when they're not. I've said it before that I envision Wyoming being much better off with a revitalized Democratic Party that wasn't just the far left. And the Republican is anywhere from people who are very conservative to slightly liberal. And the very liberal people are all in the Democratic Party. It doesn't make any sense to me why we have that. But then, you know, I saw like the, the head of the Democratic Party, the Democratic chair, decided that he was going to get publicity for the party by what, having a drag show? Yeah. You're not going to get your mainstream Wyoming voters. I mean, the people who support drag shows, wonderful. That's great. They're probably already Democrats, though. Yeah. If, if you're trying to reach out into middle Wyoming to get more voters, that's not, that's not the way to do it's it. It's not going to work very well. I, I don't understand what they're thinking there other than the publicity, but that, I think that's a bad move. One more phenomenon that I just read another article about um, this one happened to be, I believe, in Cowboy State Daily. or No, I think it was through the Casper Star Tribune, but it came out in the Sheridan Press as a reprint. But they interviewed Jeff Pomeroy over in Worland. And he's a political refugee out of Oregon. And I like Jeff. I look around, and last night I found several of them. There's one just moved in down the street a block from me. Folks from California moved in last week. And I went over to introduce myself to them. We figured do a little early campaigning. You know? And one of the questions I asked is, is we got them, well, are you a political refugee? And he just got a big grin on his face. He said, absolutely. He said, couldn't stand it there anymore. But man, there are a bunch of them pouring into Wyoming. I'm sitting right across from you. And yes. And... They are turning out to be some of the best people politically because, like yourself, they have seen where this road goes. 
they fled it. You fled it twice. And this is, this is the last great hope. And Chip was right. And so what I said when I first moved here, I said, I'm planting my flag here. There's nowhere else to go. Exactly. That we left Illinois, we left Colorado, and then we get like the Rod Millers here saying, well, you're not really from Wyoming and you're trying to change our state. He's like, no, no. You're sitting there as you let outside forces, international, California, the DNC change Wyoming. And they're doing it with the same frilly language and the same battle plan they did to flip Illinois, to flip California, to flip Colorado. And now they're trying to flip Wyoming in the same way. And people wonder, how does Cheyenne have such a purple legislature when the people are so red? That's why. These are the forces coming in. This is the money coming from D.C. This is the money from international NGOs that comes in here and says, oh, oh, now we've got Governor Gordon talking about how the climate crisis is so urgent that, that we've got to make Wyoming a green state. Well, there you go. That's what happened to Colorado. Gordon sounds completely compromised by these international forces and money. He, he has been, if you, especially when you look into his history. I mean, he comes from, from the left. Uh, tries to pass himself off for a time as a conservative. The, the other day, I guess he turned down some federal funding through uh, DEQ or something. I don't remember exactly the details off the top of my head. But John Baer put out a quote that I thought was pretty good. He says, it's one small step for Wyoming, one giant leap for the governor. <laughs> that is pretty good. <laughs> yeah. And that's what it's like with you know we're coming into the election year and and these people are all going to tell you about what fine conservatives they are but i think that the voter is much more aware now there's another factor too which you as a as a poli sci guy should comment on all right the last election let me go back to the 2020 election there were about 1600 votes cast in my precinct or in my yeah my district 29 I, I don't remember the numbers but substantially more in the last election because liz cheney deal was there that that got a lot of people out there there were just a lot of reasons to come out yeah we're coming into a presidential year which generally brings it up more but but what i'm getting at is the margin if you look at several of the close races that could have decided the the balance of the house it's less than 800 votes across the state could have completely changed it and so if a lot of these people just stay home and they're not real enamored with the idea of voting for joe biden or whoever's behind him i i'm very very optimistic about the 24 election right and what is very important for people who are like-minded liberty-minded many people decide to sit out the primaries because they're like, well, a Republican's going to win anyway. I'm just going to vote for the Republican or they don't vote at all because Republican's going to win anyway. But a Republican winning doesn't mean somebody who loves liberty in the Constitution has won. It could be somebody who loves backroom deals and large campaign contributions. So they ran under the Republican banner. So I will be working to get the message out to voters about which members of the legislature running for re-election? I know you can't do this because you, you have to work. These are people in your own party. But I'll be out there. David Iverson will be out there on Cowboy State Politics, the Independence Network, saying loud and proud, these are the members of the legislature who run around and say they're conservative, and they're not. 
and they they're the ones who who not only vote against true conservative liberty preserving bills or liberty rest, restoration bills but they are, tend to be the ones who sabotage good bills with amendments and sink them that's got to be out there and then they, of course the excuse oh it's so complex or we needed this or well there was a possible lawsuit or we, we, what if the feds pulled the money or whatever, whatever the reason is but as i've told people before you can't make your decisions based on fear and anger. And if you're making your decisions based on fear and anger and not principle, then you probably shouldn't even be in the legislature. Being in the legislature. Um, you have a view of that, of what it would be like. Somebody asked me the other day, well, how much time does it take to be a legislator? And I said, all of it. <laughs> it, it is fascinating as you get in there and you become more and more uh, enamored with with the discussions and the process. You go to bed each night and you think, did I do everything I could possibly? No, I didn't. And that, that's what you want in a legislator. You want somebody who is driven to do more and to do it better and to represent the people. There are, there are two kinds of, of legislators, those that represent the people and I would call that the Freedom Caucus, and those that represent the agencies who are constantly looking for more revenue. What you've described is a passion for serving others very similar to being a father. Every night, what have I done? Where did I fail? What can I do better? It's 24-7 job. So that's fantastic. You've got that compassion because you could tell the desire is to serve voters, not to lead them. And there's a huge difference. And that's why I tell people that our elected officials are our public servants. They're not our leaders in our democracy. They're our civil servants in our federal republic. And I, I think that's about all I've got to say on these issues right now, Ken. I'm just ready to wrap it up myself. I appreciate you being here and I know that you appreciate me being there, too. Fantastic. And we look forward to talking to all of you out there on the campaign trail in upcoming months. I'm easy to find in public. Not too many giant middle-aged bikers in this state. Yeah, just look up. <laughs> Thanks, man.